Twas the pod before Christmas, and all through the house not a creature was stirring, except for David O'Yellow, star of Come Away and the Midnight Sky. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that Coleman Domingo, Michael Potts and Glyn Terman, stars of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, soon would be there. The listeners were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of geek queens and nerd grand admiral twat things danced in their heads. And Amon and his kerchief and I and my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap, when out in the lawn there arose such a clatter. I sprang from the pod booth to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash. It was James Dyer telling me to get on with it. <laughs> Get on with it. I was I was waiting for you to come up with uh, uh, not a creature with stirring assholes. except for yeah. assholes coming in the rear. Three assholes two by in two the cover formation. I artfully avoided the Die Hard reference, Jimbo. I tried not to be a walking cliche for once in my life. Hello, Pod. I am Chris Hewitt, and welcome to oh, sad, a single tear rolling down my cheek. The last Empire podcast of 2020, the hellscape of a year. But uh, this pod has given us something to cling on to. Not you guys, obviously all the listeners at home hate this, but it's given <laughs> the three colleagues of such lethal cunning, including myself, who are in this pod booth today, something to cling on to in this absolute perfect shitstorm of a year. And now it'll be over. We're going to have a little break for two weeks. Um, hurrah! 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 How are you going to spend your breaks, two colleagues of such lethal cunning, Geek Queen Helen O'Hara and Nerd Grand Twat James Dyer? <laughs> <laughs> Um, hello, uh, I am going to be helping out with my brother and sister and their two tiny children, you know, childcare-wise and, and helping out with them. So I'm going to be continuing my mission to indoctrinate my young nephew into geekdom. We're doing mm -hmm. super well Good. already. He's already addicted to like the Lego droid tales, um, the Star Wars ones. Uh, he, his favourite book is Where's the Wookiee, uh, which is obviously a twist on Where's Wally. And he can name, you Good know, book. about, yeah, five out of six um, like bounty hunters. So he's he's doing really well. I'm so proud. And I just need to continue his education. <laughs> Excellent. Jimbo, what are you going to be doing? Uh, well, partly I'm going to be watching a heroic amount of television, I think. What? Uh, we are doing an episode of the oh, Pilot TV podcast oh, literally the day we come back to work. So I need to have watched a ton of the new Stand adaptation, Ooh. which I'm actually very excited about. Uh, and a bunch of other things we're going to be reviewing, I think, season three of Cobra Kai as well. Uh, and, and A Discovery of Witches, Helen. Ooh. A Discovery of Witches is finally coming back after like a two-year mm. absence. And I am down for that YA witch goodness. So uh, You're that's such very exciting. a teenage girl. People just don't know to it's look true. at you, but it's you true. are literally a 13-year-old girl. But more important, than any of that, I'm going to be taking my emperor's exam over over Christmas. So by the time I come back, I will be Empire's nerd nope. emperor because I will have Absolutely passed my not. exams. I refuse. So that, that's that, that's exciting. <laughs> you think somehow you're going to be doing an inordinate amount of cheating on that test, <laughs> but perhaps that qualifies you to be an emperor in <laughs> the first would, place. I, think, I don't yeah. know. Indeed, indeed. How about you, Chris? I don't know. Hmm. I I have no real plans for the holiday season apart from. I've had one day off all year, and I intend to have more days off. Two, two days Make it off. Two. Uh, you know, if I can get if I can get up to two days off over the holiday period, I'll be very, very mm. happy indeed. And uh, it's going to happen. I believe in you. 
I, I, I'm not so sure. I've, I've looked at the amount of podcasts I have to edit over the Christmas break, and I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure. There is a backlog. There is, yeah. Hey, remember yeah. all those uh, historic um, Avengers ones? <laughs> oh, they're gone. Hey, we've got all <laughs> no, the MCU. They're gone. It's, now, clearly, you're going to be doing all of those over Christmas, as well as the Star Wars they're rankings. Gone. They so that have, sounds they have good. disappeared into the ether. I, uh, I lost them. They are I want to say I lost them. You're kidding. I deliberately deleted them to make <laughs> oh, sure God. that they would never darken my doors again. Now, if we do retro <laughs> MCU ones, we're going to have to do them from scratch. But, uh, but hey ho, you know, such is life, such is luck. Yeah, no, there's loads of stuff to be edited over the uh, over the winter break. We got our spoiler specials for. This feels like I'm plugging now, but I'm not. I'm, I tell you, I'm not. Uh, we have spoiler specials for Wonder Woman 1984. I've got to edit that. We got a spoiler specials for soul i've got to edit that we got oh, all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff but hopefully i will get a chance to sit down with my good lady wife and watch some films that'd be quite nice although what? i always have the dilemma over christmas and that there's a shit ton of football and they put the darts on as well the world darts championship comes on uh, also so I, I go into each day with the best of intentions to spend the evening watching movies and then it's like oh should we just stick the arrows on instead and so we end up watching that for I a good two to three hours. I mean, I, I understand. It's just the greatest, the greatest theatre, the greatest entertainment. Yeah. It's extraordinary stuff. It really is. Mm. Athletes, the prime of their life, peak physical condition. <laughs> well, I mean, by, by that token, so were all of us. So uh, I, I suppose hmm. we should accept that without yeah. too much quibbling. I, I fully believe I could win the BDO World Championship um, if I just practice hard enough over Christmas. Remember uh, that one time I came in and randomly threw darts and won a game? I'm, uh, yeah, uh, was that at the flight club? Yeah. Yeah. Chris, the first rule of flight club. (laughs) (laughs) Is that we don't talk about that. We talk about other stuff instead. But listen, (laughs) I hope to have a great Christmas. I hope you guys have a vaguely adequate Christmas. Oh, thanks. And the same to all the listeners. But then maybe let's save the Christmas platitudes for right at the end of the podcast. God bless us, everyone. Everybody. Why do you sound like C-3PO saying that? Yes, oh, C-3PO is Tiny Tim, isn't he? If you were doing a Star Wars Christmas Carol, <laughs> we're not doing that again. We did the MCU Christmas Carol a couple of weeks ago. We we shouldn't do it with Star Wars. I mean, but it would be three PO, wouldn't it? It would be three PO. It should be little Anakin, but screw that guy. Little Tiny Tim going. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. <laughs> <laughs> Palpatine is Scrooge, isn't he? Vader. I, it'd have to be Vader because there has to yeah. be a redemption arc, doesn't there? Palpatine has no redemption arc. That's true. That is true. Or it could be Kylo Ren. It could be Ben. It could be Ben Solo. He no. could be Scrooge. No. No, I think no. I think Vader is Scrooge and then the three ghosts are Padme and Obi-Wan. Clearly Obi-Wan and, and Yoda has to be one, doesn't he? Yeah. Because they're all force ghosts. Yeah. We've, right. It'll be fine. It's good. Okay. Yeah. This is good. This is good. This is a project to work on over the Christmas period. We'll, Admiral Akbar needs we'll to be some work. kind of presence of uh, like a, a ghost of Christmas yet to be, so he can be just like mm. you know, it's a trap. Um, <laughs> don't don't do that again. You know. He gets the best line in the Lego Star Wars holiday special as well when he it gives a gift to Lando and Lando goes, oh, "I hope it's a cape," and he goes, "It's a wrap." <laughs> <laughs> Does he go, "It's a wrap" like that? Yeah. Okay. I'm not very good at impression. You, you, didn't sell you know it. this. You look, really didn't sell I, it. Oh, I, look, I mean, we know, we all have our strengths. I don't know what mine are, but they definitely aren't impressions. <laughs> so. well, they don't include conversational Mon Calamari. No, sadly. Sadly not. Oh, I'm hungry it's now. A- <laughs> Mando finishes tomorrow. We're all going to be a little bit bereft. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, this is such a shame. Uh, maybe Baby Yoda could be Tiny Tim because of the size thing. 
But no, I think I think three PO is the way to go with this. Mm. Size really matters do. not. Yeah, I was. Uh, I once suggested on Twitter that someone should make a Christmas Carol movie about a director making a Christmas Carol movie, and he's visited by ghosts telling him that that's a terrible fucking idea, and you should stop making Christmas Carol films <laughs> because we've had enough of them. So he's visited by the ghost of a Christmas Carol past, yeah. a yeah. Christmas Carol present, and Christmas Carol movie yet to come. And in the morning, he wakes up and decides to make Transformers Seven instead. So that's that's wow. that's what I would be working on over the Christmas period, along with my <laughs> Home Alone uh, reboot, in which Harry and Marv, the real heroes, uh, mm-hmm. and I realize I'm going full Thanos, James, here with this, but yeah, the real heroes of the Home Alone series are Harry and Marv, who are two likable knockabout. Yes, they're rogues. Yes, they're scoundrels. Yes, they're criminals. But it cannot be emphasized enough how much of a little shit Kevin McAllister is, and how much. He deserves what's mm. coming to him, and he will get that in my Home Alone reboot. Wow. Slash sequel, in which Harry and Marv are now in a nursing home and find themselves besieged by a psychotic orderly who bears an uncanny resemblance to a young kid that they once had a run-in with in Chicago and New York. And they <gasps> rally the other members of the nursing home to fight back against him one night with anvils and tins of paint and, and electrical devices and tarantulas and all sorts. Yeah. It's basically called, it's just kicking the shit out of Kevin McAllister. It's, it's what he should have had coming to him years ago. Well, if we're wow. doing fe- festive fancy movies, I quite li- like to see sort of Todd Haynes reteam with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara for a kind of festive special. And they call go. it A Christmas Carol. Here we go. But Here Carol go. was a Christmas movie. So. Well, not, you know, oh, sure. <laughs> you, you, found, you found the flaw in my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. They just called it the wrong thing. They did. I realized today Superman the movie is a Christmas movie because it was directed by one of Santa's reindeer, Richard Donner. Wow. Whose work I've always preferred to Richard Blitzen, Richard Prancer, and of course, Richard Comet. This is awkward. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve. It's the time of miracles. Everything is Christmas. Yes. <laughs> so now, be of good cheer and get on with the podcast. <laughs> yes. All right, here we go. There we go. Finally, finally, finally. It's time for the three facts structure, the last one of the year. What have you guys got for me? What Christmas presents have you got for me? What are you going to wrap up in a nice big bow for me? Oh, Jimbo. I do have one for you. I do have one for you. I'm breaking with my tradition of banging on for ages in a kind of vain attempt that I'll kind of wear you down and make you give up on this whole cursed section. Um, my mm, fact today is I, quite short. Can I ask that as a... Oh, thank God. I was, I was going to say, because I ask as a Christmas present that this is a short one. It is. It Yay. is short. Good. Good. It is a short Mission Impossible fact, but don't worry, I'm not going to shout it at you. Uh, so this is something I did. <laughs> topical joke. There. This is something I did not know until this week, although I'm sure everyone else does. And that is that the iconic theme to Mission Impossible is in fact Morse code for Mission Impossible. Did you know that? Because I dun, did not. Dun, 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 it's dash dash dot dot dash dash dot dot, which is M I in Morse code. Hang on, that doesn't make sense because those would be the same letters: dash dash dot dot dash dash dot dot. No, dash dash is M. Dot okay. dot is I. Oh, so it's M-I-M-I. Dash, dash, dot, dash, dot, dot. What's a dot, dot? Dash. Oh, oh okay. So it's just dot, a dash, dot, dot. It's not a note thing. So it's no. not like dash, dash. Because it would be just if it was, you know, it, and then in that case, it would just be dash, 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 dash. Yes. Which isn't as tuneful. Yes. It is dash, dash, dot, dot. So because it's the longer note. So it's dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So it's M I M I. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. There's no need for me to go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, I may not have known that, but I will say that there is a grand tradition 
of using Morse code in theme tunes, but mm-hmm. mainly bound to television. Did you know that, for example, that the theme tune of Some Others Do Have Him, uh, written by the great Ronnie <laughs> Hazelhurst, spells out Some Others Do Have Him does in it? Morse code as well. It does. Uh, Sing it and, for me. And fam- well, it's, it's underlined. The main melody ah. is... <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> the baseline is like. Yeah. No, I think that bit's Morse code, but it's just like the same thing with the Mission Impossible. Okay. So it's, okay. you know, the notes are different, but the actual. That's Morse code. <laughs> wow. And then, and then that's the RTD2 remix. And then. The theme tune for Inspector Morse, of course, has Morse code in it as well. So at the beginning, I mean, mm-hmm. when you know, Barrington Fellung's music comes in, you hear at the beginning, it goes, which is Morse code for Lawrence Fox is a bell end. <laughs> remarkably prescient. He's a hell of a detective. Wow, that is extraordinary. How could <laughs> he have known? It's, it's, all, it's all in the Morse. <laughs> How prescient was Barrington Fellung with that? Wow. It's Amazing. Quite, quite incredible. What that's a what a man. Special. What a hero. Uh, that's a good fact. Hell's I have another fact. Oh, uh, fuck what? me. Sorry. Well, because we're only three of us, dear, and it has to be the three-fact structure. So I have to, <sighs> okay. I have to give you sure, a second sure. fact. And this is Bring a last-minute addition because someone tweeted it to me oh, just no. for the start oh, of the podcast. On. And that's to continue my sort of trifecta <laughs> of Love Actually facts. Mm. Uh, he sent me to Twice a... Trifecta, more like. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So uh, Richard Kirk sent me a link to um, Kira Knightley on... Uh, on uh, what's his chops? The terrible one, um, um, Jimmy Fallon. That's the one. <laughs> the terrible <Hey>. one. <laughs> we like the Jimmys. The the Devil's Court Jester. Um, uh, no, anyways. It's, uh, and apparently, you know, when we obviously we we recently did something on Love Actually, but uh, Kira Knightley wears a very noticeable hat in the scene where she comes over to Andrew Lincoln's to look at the video. You know, she's wearing a big old mm-hmm. felt hat. Uh, and apparently she says on the talk show, the only reason she was wearing that hat is because uh, she had the biggest spot of her life in the middle of her forehead and makeup were completely unable to do anything about it. And presumably CG wasn't advanced enough at that point. And so they, someone just said, put a fucking hat on her. So she's got a hat with a big old peak and it's just to cover a spot. And that's why she's wearing huh. it. Fair play. I can respect the hustle. Yeah, respect the hustle, but also I guess it's fair enough that she had a spot because, you know, she was 17 when she <laughs> yes, filmed she the was. movie. Really and her was. character was in a relationship with a much older man and being fancied <laughs> by another much older man. It's fucking Sleaze Central. What the hell? Anyway, if you want to listen to our thoughts on Love Actually, we have recorded a retro Love Actually spoiler oh, special, which is great. available to subscribers or will be available once I've edited it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll definitely be before Christmas, and that will be uh, this year. This year, I should specify. And we're also doing a retro Christmas spoiler special for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with the director Jeremiah S. Chechik. So if you're a, a fan of that movie, as I am, and as I discovered, uh, Nick and Helen are mm-hmm. perhaps less so. <laughs> no, I still like that. it. Like It's not in my top five Christmas movies, but it's in the top 20. You're middle in enthusiasm came over for the movie and the oh, podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's all good. So that's going to be available in the week of, when's Christmas? Next week? Fuck! Next week. Next week. So they'll be available next week. <laughs> Days off. Who needs them? Anyway, <laughs> Helen, what's your fact? My fact is about movie snow. I got thinking about movie snow, snow this week and I started looking into it. So there have been lots of different ways, of course, of doing it. Um, in 1925, Charlie Chaplin tried to do the real thing for the gold rush, literally took people 
up a hill uh, in Nevada in the middle of winter. And did he come down a mountain? It was, was massively he the difficult. Englishman who went yeah. up a hill and came down a mountain. And came down a mountain, yeah. Um, but no, loads of the cast and crew became sick, and uh, Chaplin finally couldn't do pratfalls because it was too icy. So they had to go back to the studio and use a mixture of salt and flour in that film. Wow, to hilarious effect, no doubt. I know. In the nineteen late nineteen twenties, um, there was a firefighter on set though uh, of one film who recognised that they were using these big sheets of kind of cotton batting, you know, that kind of felty stuff um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a fake snow. And he thought, well, that's not, that's not safe because that's obviously flammable. What we need is something that isn't flammable. How about asbestos? <laughs> <laughs> not kidding. Asbestos was used under the, under the names Pure White and Snowdrift for movie snow from the 1930s right through to the 1950s. Even in things like The Wizard of Oz, where it's in the poppy field, that's asbestos. <laughs> incredibly, incredibly unsafe. Is there um, a long history of the cast of The Wizard of Oz dying of yeah. cancer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 not good for you. I, like I'm going to go out, go ahead and say that. I don't care if it makes me controversial. Asbestos, not good for you. Don't do it. Snowflake. I know. I really am. <laughs> um, luckily, the cast of It's a Wonderful Life were were spared that because they actually used they needed quiet snow because there was so much snow in that film they needed it to be quiet so they used um the kind of foam from fire extinguishers mixed with water and sugar and soap uh for that one my favorite though is Dr. Zhivago um which was shot in for its its release in northern Spain in summer and it was meant to be obviously you know Russia in winter from for the most part so to bring that kind of frozen estate, if you remember his frozen estate to life, what they had to do was basically cover this entire house in hot wax, which they dripped everywhere. Then they put on cold water to make it freeze. And then they topped it by sprinkling marble dust all over it, which is also what they used for the outdoor scenes over the countryside to make it all look shiny and glistening. Wow. Um, but yeah, snow. Difficult. That's, that's good. So. Although, you know, I, I personally would have gone with what John McTiernan did, where he used $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds in Die Hard, which I thought made a very effective snow blanket. I mean, that's that's definitely the most stylish way of doing it, for sure. Yeah. But they now mm. use uh, mostly recycled paper, which is a bit more boring. I've heard mashed potato as well. Well, you can mash potato. You can do the twist. <laughs> it's fine. No, that's a twist. <laughs> All right, they were two fantastic facts there from Jimbo and Helen, but it now, as ever, it falls to me to judge the winner. Let me see. Who was the best? What about my facts? Hang on, who said that? Who said that? Where did uh, that come from? Just, just over here, over here, Chris. Holy shit. It's Corin Hardy. What? What? Corin, how long have you been there? You pod crashed. <laughs> I've just been. Uh, I've just crashed in on my on my on my Santa sleigh <laughs> with, <laughs> with my facts. I'm like, all right, okay. This is highly unorthodox and unusual, but okay, that's fine. I'll I'll go with it. I will accept it. Corin has gate crashed the three fact structure out of the blue, completely unrehearsed. What is your fact? My fact, Chris and and team, is um, that I'm screening a series <laughs> other of other people who are here. It, 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 it's that I'm screening a series of of Christmas movies this weekend at the Uckfield Picture House down in here in Sussex. Thankfully, nice. we still are able to screen them and the cinema remains open. And it's called My Nightmares Before Christmas Weekend. <laughs> I like I'm, it. I'm, this doesn't feel like a comedy season. <laughs> it's Love Actually. It's, it's a, a holiday. Of, uh, 
Yeah, it's the it's the opposite to those exactly. It's the antidote. It's the antidote. Now, Uckfield's uh, Picture House, a lovely local cinema. They've asked me to um, to compose uh, some of my favourite alternative Christmas movies to put on this weekend. So we're going to be screening on Friday night Die Hard. Yes, mm-hmm. naturally. And which is a Christmas movie, as we all know. And, um, <laughs> don't start that one. Saturday uh, is Gremlins. Yes. And uh, a Tim Burton double bill on, on Sunday with Nightmare Before Christmas and Batman Returns. Oh, yes. Hello. This is an amazing weekend. That's, That's a fantastic lineup. Yeah. Although, can I suggest, I know it's too late to change it because we're recording this on a Thursday and this will be going out on Friday. Um, okay. But can you swap... Die Hard with the Tim Burton double bill because Die Hard is one of Jimbo's favourite films and Sunday is his birthday and it would be a lovely thing to do for Jimbo's birthday. Um, you could even have him along. Know, he could come down and do a special Q&A. I can, I can call up. Die Hard's actually sold out, which I'm excited it about. Um, it's, a, it's, it's in the lounge, which is a new cinema in Uckfield, which is sort of plush, very small plush seats, table service, perfect for the, uh, the times we're living in. Um, so, I mean, I can try and personally call these sort of 40 people <laughs> who are coming along and postpone it if you like. <laughs> yes, hello, Liz. Is it going to be Hardy? experiential? Will people have to kind of walk on broken glass coming in? Will they be showered with bearer bonds at the end? Is it, oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, everyone has to come in in a sweaty white vest. And, um, and, and they have to leave out the exit with a fire hose wrapped around. <laughs> Just dive window. out the third floor window. <laughs> yeah, they have to have a watch. So they have to be wearing a watch and you have to drop them off the top of the uh, <laughs> top of the Uckfield picture house. Yeah, I sure hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> oh man, what an incredible quadruple bill. That's 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 fantastic. So why those films in particular? So I mean I had a long list. Um my long list would be sort of rare exports, McCabe mm-hmm. and Mrs. Miller, Krampus, Rocky mm-hmm. Four, Edward Scissorhands, LA Confidential Long Kiss Goodnight, mm-hmm. yeah. those kind of movies. But um, yeah. I, I honed it down like you do if you're putting on a, a gig at a rock concert and you're trying to figure out a sort of chemistry that would flow through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And I figured that Friday, going to see Die Hard on a Friday night just <laughs> felt right. Yeah. And then uh, the magic of Gremlins on, on a Saturday. Um, and then a Tim Burton double bill on a Sunday with a sort of matinee for the kids. So, But in terms of those movies, you know, I don't think you can really beat them no. as movies but as christmas movies the, the kind of atmosphere in them i i made a little criteria list to sort of check yeah i treat this quite seriously you know to tr- try and capture the spirit of christmas mm. um quite literally in some of those movies um in terms of that feel you get at christmas um you know how different pi- times in a year you, you gravitate towards certain movies and, mm. and that feel at Christmas when you're kind of, whether you're at home with the fire on or, or with some mulled wine or with, or in this case, out at the cinema. Um, there's something about them that, you know, gremlins all sort of stuffed in the cinema singing along to Snow White or the birth of the penguin in Batman Returns taking mm. you into this sort of snowy gothic fairy tale superhero movie. So they they all contain, I think, the spirit of, of Christmas um, and also in, in their stories, even though they're kind of a bit more arch at times. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, they're actually, you know, Die Hard has got this sort of goodwill 
to all men. <laughs> yeah. And women. Except terrorists, but, you know, everyone <laughs> yes. else. Yes. Good luck uh, is, to most is, men. Yeah. yeah. Is the gremlin screening like a late one and everyone has to finish their popcorn before midnight or have it taken off them? It's like, <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> if it wasn't hard enough just to get a movie in the damn cinema at all, then I would yeah. do a late second yeah. late one, a midnight performance. Isn't it? Is Uckfield must be like the only tier two zone left in the country. It's like it's the safe zone. Everyone's making a pilgrimage. The last place we can see films. You can't make a pilgrimage there. You can. You have to be there. I'm slightly worried. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly worried that by doing this uh, little announcement on the podcast, we're gonna. It's a bit like putting an ad on Facebook for some kind of COVID party. We're not. (laughs) But uh, it's very just to reiterate. It's very very safe. Uh, uh, Uckfield is 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 a beautiful old cinema. It's 104 years old. Family run. And they treat the safety very seriously. Um, it's going to be escape from New York by the end of the weekend. <laughs> just, just put a massive dome over it. You'll be totally fine. That's, that sounds amazing. My God. So this is this in a way, because you had been talking about doing a, a season of, of yeah. different films before yeah. the, the last lockdown. So this is a kind mm. of a pivot into, into Christmas with this. Yeah. Yeah, we're all battling it, aren't we, in terms mm. of trying to make plans and, and be able to take pull them off and... and the original plan, which is going to go ahead next year once it's more possible, um, which will be called Corin Hardy and Friends, it will be a series of screenings that I'm curating with um, other directors invited as guests, either in person or via Zoom. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got Edgar Wright, Gareth Evans, Chad Stahelski, Alice Lowe, Andy Machete, um, Ben Wheatley, and, and, a, and a host more who are going to, we're going to choose a three movies to screen on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday and introduce them in person or via Zoom to the audience live in the cinema on the Friday night every two weeks through sort Amazing. of when we start in middle of end of January through um, until I can no longer do it, but I uh, <laughs> give it all I got. Um, so that, yeah, so when, when that when we have dates for that, we, we will be letting you guys know. Um, and Excellent. Everyone can that come down like to fun. Upfield's Picture House. But I think it's something, it, it was something... In this current period where, strangely, you know, cinemas have actually got a lack of movies that they can actually screen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. putting on older movies seems like a really nice idea. But then I wanted to add something that, you know, uh, people who sit on their sofas and can watch those old movies can't get at home, mm. uh, which is mm. sort of a, a bespoke introduction by people who love or have been inspired by the movies. Mm. On this lineup, I've, I've never seen Gremlins on the big screen. I've never seen Nightmare Before Christmas on the big screen. <sighs> Uh, Die Hard, we did for your birthday a couple of years ago, Jim. We didn't did. We? we saw the 70 mil print at the uh, Prince Charles. Wow. It was amazing. 70 was mil. Amazing. The whole yeah. movie. Wow. Yeah. Very exciting. I, um, I have never seen Gremlins. <laughs> no. Really? No. I, I don't think I've seen, I don't think, because I was too young to see Gremlins at the cinema when it first mm. came out. And then I mm. watched it in millions of times on VHS. And it was one of those movies that most inspired me. Um, but I don't think I've seen it at the cinema. I think I've seen Die Hard, but not for some time. And I definitely have seen Nightmare Before Christmas a few times and Batman, but I haven't, I'm really excited about Batman Returns because it's been yeah, a while since I watched yeah. the movie. Um, I keep remembering parts of it, and, and so right good. now, Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie is just <laughs> all time amazing. <laughs> so, are you are you going to be but doing Q and A's of this, or intro- introducing them, or cosplay, or what's what's the deal? <laughs> You're dressed up cos- as Catwoman. Definitely cosplay. Yeah. I will be Jack Skellington <laughs> <laughs> again. Yeah, no, I, you know, I wasn't going to, but I think I might since, because originally I sort of said, yeah, I'll, let's just create a, 
a cool weekend of movies. I didn't know if I'd be able to get to them. And then a minute I, we, we set them, I was like, I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to see that. So I'm going to go to all of them and, and maybe I will give a little introduction just because I'm there and, and it feels like <laughs> it's going to be a sort of unique little gathering of mm. people coming to see them. Oh man, I'm I'm very, very jealous. Uh, we're obviously in tier three in London. Cinemas have been closed. Oh, uh, there's the situation, the mad situation of there were a couple of press screens of Wonder Woman 1984 before the lockdown happened. Mm. We saw yeah. these press screens of Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. There is apparently a post-credit sting on Wonder Woman 1984 that? that they wouldn't show to journalists, but we can't now go to see the film in <laughs> cinemas. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. I oh, have man. no idea what the hell it is. You right. know, so won't someone play the smallest violin in the world just for us, please? I'm playing it. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you. It means a lot. But listen, we got no, to go. I'm going to play it here. This is the tune I'll play. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty right, yeah. Okay, that's terrifying. That's too good. All right, guys. Never feed Chris after midnight. <laughs> when when journalists are denied their post credit stings, they do turn into gremlins. So that is pretty yeah. much right. That yeah. is actually true. Also, don't get us wet. That's. that's... <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's even, a big one. I'm not even gonna. Yeah, we're gonna leave that. That's we're gonna leave that. That's not gonna go, shall we? Um, but yeah, that's the that's a, a fantastic thing. I'm very very jealous that you're doing this. I really love to come along and uh, and see at least one of these. But yeah. damn you, COVID restrictions can't can't do yeah. it. But, but uh, if you live in Sussex, you're gone. They lift soon. Absolutely. If you are in and around uh, Corin's general sphere, then by all means, do go along to see it. So how can people do this? You can go to PictureHouseUckfield.com. Uh, for yeah. ticket details and uh, or just uh, on Twitter at Picturehouse Uck. And there's particularly, there's there's still some seats for Gremlins and Batman Returns. I believe Die Hard is actually sold out and Nightmare for Christmas is almost, and they've put on extra screenings actually of them, T- two more screenings in the week for Amazing. anyone that feels deprived. <laughs> are you going to be carving Christmassy pumpkins or are you done now? If I could get them, <laughs> I'd be carving them. I mean, it's just a little, I can maybe do some squash. <laughs> or a turkey. Just carving a turkey in the style in the style of a gremlin. And uh, before we let yeah. you go, what's you know, this has been a, a hell of a year, but you've been fairly busy, obviously gangs of London and you yeah. know, was, was was doing gangbusters and Yeah. Uh, what what's what's twenty twenty one hold for you? Well, it yeah, I've been flat out since finishing Gangs of London series one and working on Gangs of London season two throughout this year, ready to make it next year. Um, and I have a, a, a an exciting array of features bubbling, which I'm very much looking forward to getting stuck into. I'm missing my monsters. <laughs> um, You're surrounded by them in, right now. Yeah. yeah, I know, but I need to bring some to life, and uh, mm. that that aren't just the human kind. But um, no, so yeah, this uh, depending on. I mean, it's 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 exciting to know that people are getting through these productions. I just saw that Johannes Roberts has just finished shooting Resident Evil yesterday, mm-hmm. and they are getting through them even in in the COVID restrictions. Mm. Um, so yeah. we just have to keep battling on and, and being safe. 
I believe Mission Impossible 7 is still going and still shooting as well. I think there was something about that in the paper this week. Uh, <laughs> They're not shutting it down, I can tell you that. <laughs> that is for damn sure. Uh, but yeah, well, fingers crossed that 2021 brings you you know, back on a movie set, back behind a camera and Absolutely. unleashing all kinds of mayhem. But thanks for dropping in. In the meantime, I will say I'm just going to judge the fact section. Three fact structure. Jimbo's fact was good. Morse code. Helen's fact was bad snow. Uh, oh Corin's fact was about cinema and the fact you can go see movies in the cinema. So therefore, this week's winner, the last winner of 2020 of the three fact structure, you may think the fix is in. You'll be absolutely right. Is Corin Hardy? Yeah, well done, yes. that seems fair. That seems present. Thank you very much, Santa Chris, and uh, thanks for having me. I shall see you all. Have a great Christmas. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Christmas, Corin. What an unexpected visitor that was. Yes. <laughs> Wow. I had no idea Corin was going to drop in. Not in any way prearranged. <laughs> <laughs> just to let people know that he can't do that, just in case the you know, the everything like just, just drop in any of you. into Squadcast and and drop in on the podcast. Can't quite do that. You do have to set up something beforehand. Okay, so that's three fact structure done and dealt with for another year. Farewell, three fact structure. When you return, you shall be bigger and better than ever before. Perhaps James and Helen will use a Christmas break to get the Grinch out of their systems and learn to love the three fact structure. Never. Never, I tell you. <laughs> never. It would take three ghosts. No, four ghosts <laughs> yeah, for me to start to love ghosts. it. <laughs> three ghost structure. That's what it would need. But anyway, let's tackle some listener questions now. And uh, I mean questions because mm. it's Christmas and there's a time of questions. Here's the first one. It comes from at Fal Shopaholic, who simply asks, best Mrs. Claus? I probably could best Mrs. Claus, actually. I mean, she's quite an elderly lady. Mm. Probably not that handy in a fist fight. So, yeah. yes, I think I could best Mrs. Claus. Mm. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, do you think she means who was the best Mrs. Claus? On second thought, yes. Hmm. Well, I've ordered the sword now. <laughs> the sword? The sword, yes. Seems harsh. Well, her husband, Santa Claus, he <laughs> might have something going for him, you know? Right, I guess so. Yeah, so I'm just oh, worried dear. in case he, he gets vengeful. <laughs> anyway, yes, best Mrs. Claus. Who is the best Mrs. Claus on cinemas? I'm going to say Lorelai Gilmore from uh, Bad Santa. I mean, did they get married? I mean, she's a, Santa, a common Santa. law, Mrs. Claus. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying she was his actual wife, but she was, you know, I think she knew him in the uh, biblical sense. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure she did, but, you know. Yeah, I think that much is clear. Uh, I'm going to say Judy Cornwell in uh, Santa Claus the Movie uh, is the definitive Mrs. Claus for me because she plays it quite straight, but she's a, she's a really nice one. It is the answer. It is the answer. Well, the answer. You didn't particularly like Goldie Hawn and Christmas Chronicles too, did you? To be clear, I love Goldie Hawn. My problem was that they didn't have enough Goldie Hawn in Goldie Hawn's Mrs. Claus. Um, I thought she was kind of hamstrung by being, you know, sweet and, and playing it pretty straight when you want a bit of, you know, zaniness from, from Goldie Hawn, really. I don't think there's been a great Mrs. Claus movie, and please do correct me on this. Obviously, I've been watching quite a few Christmas movies this year for, that, another for another podcast. Bah humbug. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't do that right. I didn't, read the, yeah, I didn't do the line reading as you had dictated to me. Sorry, I should probably <laughs> do that again. Why is that, Helen? What are you talking about? Yes, Helen, what? Wait, uh, please don't hit me again. Yes, Helen. <laughs> why Why have you done this? The why have watching I? movie thing. So I watched a bunch of extra Christmas movies, more than usual, for this Bah Humbug Christmas movies pod, on which Chris guest starred this week to talk about Noel and Fred well, Claus. 
I figured it was time to elevate your struggling podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, it's like four episodes in. It can't be that struggling. I would like to register an official complaint with whatever <laughs> yeah. authority overrules this podcast. Helen does some sh- stupid Christmas podcast completely unaffiliated to us. And you're not only you're participating, you're plugging it. Here I am, purveyor of the Pilot TV podcast, and all I get is sneers. You you plug it every single week. Without every help. single and, week. Yeah. And under you wake, up, you wake up from naps going... <clears throat> TV podcast, and that's, that's true. That's how you wake up for the love of Look, God. I you mean, can't, you're, it's a pathological thing with you. It is. It is true. So, if I were to mention now that we have a Cobra Kai oh, special no. coming Good between Lord. Christmas and New Year with Ralph Macho and Billy Zabka talking Actually, about Cobra Kai great. season three, which great. is awesome. So, all subscribe now, please. It sounds okay. That's not over egg it, shall we? Uh, but it sounds pretty good. But yeah, Bah Humbug, uh, episode four sounds in particular incredible. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yes, we watched Noel. Right? And that's going to Mrs. Claus. Julie Haggerty. Julie, who I love. I mean, anytime she turns up in anything, even in like, you know, a tiny role in She's the Man, she's fantastic. I love her. But she's not the quintessential Mrs. Claus. Um, Partly she's just too slim and glamorous, I think, you know, Um, with respect to Judy Cornwell in Santa Claus the movie. She's a little bit more, you know. Rosy cheeked? Rosy cheeked, exactly. That's the way to do it. Rosy cheeked. She is someone that. very much it echoes Santa. Exactly. Peas exactly. in a pod. Christmassy peas in a Christmassy pod. Ah, I wish they could be my parents. Get oh. all the best present. Oh my God. The movie, and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm, I, I know from having read reviews of it, hmm. and I know that it's problematic, mm-hmm. but the recent release, Fat Man, which stars everybody's problematic fave, Mel Gibson, oh, yes. as... Essentially, Santa Claus, yeah. but as a kind of on a arms mission of dealer. revenge, yeah. yeah and, the, and the story is that Walton Goggins is the world's greatest hitman who has been hired to assassinate Santa Claus because a kid is disgruntled because he doesn't get the present that he wanted, so he hires this hitman to kill Santa. Uh, so Marianne Sean Baptiste plays mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus in that, and from all accounts, uh, she kicks some serious ass in that. Okay. So I uh, haven't seen the film yet. But that sounds like it could be a contender. I, I, I don't know if kicking ass is really what we want Mrs. Claus to do, is it? Uh, Miranda Richardson played Mrs. Claus in Fred Claus. I guess she's always reliable. But again, didn't get yeah. enough Miranda Richardson-ing to do. No. No. You know? I just think there's a great Mrs. Claus movie out there. I think we should write it. I think we can mm-hmm. handle it. I yeah. think it will be, you know, justice for Mrs. Claus. Every other member of Santa's family has at some point had to save Christmas. So maybe it's time that Mrs. Claus got a look in and got her chance to save Christmas, you know? I agree. I mm. fully agree. Listen, we have uh, Amon declaring he's going to win an Oscar uh, for a screenplay on the podcast. Helen and, and, and I, our, our Mrs. Claus script is, it's not really aiming for awards. No. The only thing it wants to win is your hearts. <laughs> and it will. <laughs> it will. It absolutely will. It'll Although, warm the cockles. Yes, uh, though Helen's insistence on writing quite shocking and seemingly gratuitous nudity uh, is look. I didn't uh, watch fifteen seasons of Supernatural for nothing. All right, <laughs> so <laughs> all those topless shots had to get there, get in there eventually. Mrs. Claus enters brackets ageless, pretty. <laughs> so in the Santa Claus Two, he has to find a Mrs. Claus. Is that Elizabeth Mitchell? I can't remember yes. that movie. She's nice. I like okay. her. All right. Um, but she's not. She's not. She's not massively no. memorable. No. 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 Okay. Judy Cornwell. Judy Brilliant. Cornwell. Let's move on to the next question then, because uh, we've got a couple that we're going to run through. Because it's Christmas and it's a time of miracles. 
from at Hill Fjorn. What was your greatest movie-related Christmas present that you didn't buy yourself or the best present received in a movie by a character? Ooh. The best present received by a character in a movie is unquestionably Belle in Beauty and the Beast when he gives her a library. A That's library. A good, that's a pretty good gift. With multiple library ladders, because, yeah. like, is it even a library if you've only got one? Oh, I mean, oh my goodness. Isn't that what every girl wants for Christmas? Genuinely. Multiples. <laughs> Multiple library ladders. That's exactly right, Chris. Yes, that's what I was referring to. <laughs> yes. Of course. <laughs> Climb lows like a tree. Um, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best Christmas present... I'd like a Mogwai for Christmas. I think Gizmo was a pretty good Christmas present. Was he a birthday present or a Christmas present? Christmas. Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. I thought Billy's birthday was near Christmas. Is it? So you're saying it's a... I mean, he'd have been one of those kids that just gets a shitty combined Christmas birthday mm. present. So uh, it's still Billy. Yeah, I don't know if I'd trust you with a, a Mogwai, James, purely because I feel like there's a part of you that would want a gremlin and there's a part of you that would definitely... <laughs> I'd like leave a mince pie in, yeah. his, in his bed and just be I like, think... oh yeah, just save it for later, James, yeah. save, save it for later. Super so during the night. <laughs> You're right, it is a Christmas present before people start writing in uh, in indignation. It is a Christmas present. I, I, was just, I just remembered it as a birthday present that just happened to be a Christmas. That would have been confusing. That probably yeah. what it was in the original script and then Steven Spielberg went why don't we just conflate the two and make it a Christmas present oh yeah that's why you're Steven Spielberg it's, I mean it's, it's not to say there aren't drawbacks to having the Mogwai which doesn't end brilliantly for everyone but not I'd say everyone. generally speaking it was a better present than you know Chucky I, that's true. You know what you're absolutely right it's a better present also than the air gun in or the BB gun in A Christmas Story <laughs> Christmas Story yeah um, where he really put does out put his eye out nearly with that so yeah um, there are some bad ones out there doesn't Harry get an invisibility cloak for Christmas? Isn't that what Sirius gets him for yeah, Christmas? Yeah, but I mean, it's it is a hand me down. Like it is his kind of legacy, and so, it's so second hand. It, yeah, it's basically it's something ideal. that they he was supposed to get anyway from his parents, and they just choose to give it to him on Christmas, which kind of feels like cheating yeah, to me. I, I feel like somebody you know needed to do some shopping there. Question for you, Chris: Was Hello. the rescue armor meant to be a birthday or Christmas present for Peppa? Hmm. We don't know what date her birthday is, so it's hard birthday. to tell. We don't know, do we? You think Birth- it's a birthday present? Birthday. Yeah, birthday. Because that's a pretty good present. If Tony Stark made me present. a suit of armour, I'd say that's a pretty good present. I might I, take that over a library, I've got to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I would go with that. I think that's a pretty good one. Although Tony does get her that giant bunny with boobs. <laughs> yeah, I think they're supposed to be arms. I think they're supposed to be arms. Yeah, I think they are supposed to be arms. Really? I mean, even as giant bunnies go, it's a bad giant bunny. The fact that we're having this discussion about whether or not they're arms, that's not a good giant bunny. I do, his thinking on that is right genuinely now. baffling. <laughs> I mean, because I've read a lot of Goop gift guides, so I know the kind of thing that a pepper type person would want. You're right. They are arms. arms. I have been sexually attracted to this rabbit for seven years. Is it Jessica Rabbit? <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't even begin to tell you the erotic thoughts I've had about this rabbit. Please don't. I've been, I've been turned on by its arms. Oh, my God. Merry Christmas, Pepper. Merry Christmas, oh. indeed. Uh, speaking of, of getting arms for Christmas, though, folks, uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, 
when Santa Claus turns oh, up yeah. and he gives all the lovely children oh. guns and shit. <laughs> <laughs> because, because the, you yeah. know, C.S. Lewis and uh, the movie yeah. reimagined Santa Claus as some sort of arms dealer, which is yeah. Hey, which kids, is cool. have some weapons. Back to Batman, yeah. <laughs> oh, These are oh, not age-appropriate. Oh. Uh, they are, look, they're kings and queens of Narnia. They need what they need, you know? It's... It's, that's a good Santa, actually. We don't talk enough about James Cosmo's Santa in that film. We don't. Good. We don't. We did last year when we did uh, the ranking we did. episode. Yeah, we did. Die Hard. Does Ellis give Holly that watch as a sort of Christmassy gift? I mean, it's I know he's trying to Ellis. get into her knickers. It's from Takagi. Like it's mm. it's a it's a company present. It's a Rolex. Uh, was he he yeah. goes he goes he's showing it off. But yeah, it's not from him. It's it's like a company present. So it's, it's like, like a, a Christmas, Christmas bonus. bonus. Now, obviously, as journalists, we won't be really particularly familiar with the concept of Christmas bonuses. But uh, what is yes. this bonus? What is this bonus you speak of? Are they you gave, sure? Yeah, they gave her a massive bonus. I know they gave her a massive bonus, but he he's speaking. He's talking in that scene as if he gave her that watch no, himself. No, he's saying, "Show the watch. Show the watch." It's it's like no, it's not. It's not from him. That would be wildly inappropriate. Even he would probably realize that's massively I don't think he inappropriate. Would. I think he's been a massive dick. No, it's 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 from Takagi. He is. I think so too. Let's call Jeb Stewart immediately and find out. Or Steve <laughs> Susan. Whoever picks quite, up first. I'm quietly judging you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Corin, you said whenever we were talking about Die Hard with Corin, you said yeah. that you called them terrorists. And they're not terrorists, are they? They said thieves. we were terrorists. They they're are thieves. thieves. They are thieves. They're very, very heavily armed thieves <laughs> with rocket launchers. You can still be heavily armed. Neil McCauley and Heat is heavily armed and he's still it's a thief. It's true. He's not a terrorist. It's true. So I would just, my Christmas gift to Hans Gruber is to absolve him of the charge of terrorism. That must come as such a relief as he <laughs> splats. As he falls from the Nakatomi building, I hope yeah. someone clears my name. <laughs> I'm a thief, not a terrorist. <laughs> oh, and, and in fairness, An he, he, he is moving up to kidnapping. So we should yeah, be he is polite. moving up to kidnapping, yes. <laughs> Uh, Christmas gifts. Some of the everyone yes. in uh, Bedford Falls uh, rallies round Jimmy Stewart. Oh, uh, I'm gonna kill myself, and then they're like, no, "A sense of personal don't purpose is the yeah. uh, is the best. A renewed sense but, of purpose." And, and oh, but also, dollars. Yeah, giving them lots of money helps. Yeah. It's yeah. the original yeah. Kickstarter. That basically, is. <laughs> yeah, it's the original, it's the original GoFundMe campaign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Oh, I need lots of money for Christmas, <laughs> and then they're like, "Yeah, yeah, there you go." I feel like you're being disrespectful right now. So, I'm not yeah. being disrespectful. No, he's fine. It's no love, actually. Oh, yes, Speaking that is Speaking of love, correct. actually, <laughs> love, actually, we do. There are two Christmas presents, I, th I think, that we oh. really see in the movie. The and necklace. they're both given by Erlen Erkman, and they're both yes. contentious. Yeah. So he gives the Joni Mitchell CD to Emma Thompson, and he gives his secretary a pearl necklace. No, uh, he doesn't. It's, it's a, a gold, gold necklace. necklace. We, we will have no pearl necklaces on this podcast. I'm pretty sure he gives the secretary a pearl necklace, Jimbo. <laughs> you definitely don't see that. It might be on the DVD. But uh, yes. <laughs> it's a very sexual podcast, this one this week. Um, just, yeah, for a change. What's happened? Yeah, let me just Google it. No, Jimbo, you're right. It is a gold necklace. I apologize. <laughs> it's a bit of, I'm going to get more PG rated. Scrooge. Look, Frank, it's a toaster. That's a pretty good present. <laughs> That's a good present. present. As is the, the VCR present as well mm. in that film, isn't it? That was a bad. good present. That would have been a good time. Yeah. Mm. Hustlers is a good Christmas scene where they give each other presents. Oh my God, yeah. Fancy handbags, yeah. fur coats, the works, baby. That's fun. And doesn't um, Goodfellas have a scene where like, they're just giving money to each other at Christmas? That's, uh, that's um, Donnie Donny Brasco, Brasco as well. But Goodfellas, mm. I'm pretty sure someone's unwrapping 
like Ray Liotta, this is one of the things he gives Karen money. She's unwrapping. I, I, this might be wrong in my memory, but I, in my memory, I'm remembering. In my memory, a memory of me remembering <laughs> a scene where Karen gone full inception opens. Yes, opens a present, and it's like literally just like a, a couple thousand top. dollars, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And it's so amazing. Um, and I, I don't <laughs> think she we played should- by <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Oh my god! I got lots of money for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what about Turbo Man? Fuck him. No, oh, cookie, no. I'd say not the Turbo Man, but the cookies were a good... Put put them down! Put my cookies oh my down! God. Your wife's cookies. You you're, are out of this world? You're telling me, my friend. <laughs> this week, my wife, Fala, made some cookies that... Mm. Uh, Helen, I wish you could taste these cookies. They sounded amazing. They yeah. are exquisite. Down! Yes. Down! Put that cookie down! Your wife, your wife, your wife's cookies are out of this world. No! Put the cookie down! Put the cookie down! It's turbo time! <laughs> Good lord. If you don't know what we're talking about, the great Swede Mason who mm. takes videos and, and repackages them on on, uh, on YouTube and whatnot, a few years ago he did an incredible remix of that scene from Jingle All The Way that is... He puts it to heavy dance music it's as well. Amazing. He also did an incredible MasterChef uh, Synesthesia remix, which is one of the catchiest things you'll ever hear. So look for it on YouTube. Buttery Sweet Biscuit Bass, right? Buttery Biscuit Bass. A lot of bass. A lot of bass. A lot of buttery biscuit bass. I like the buttery biscuit bass. Yeah. Oh, I love... We should have more songs about biscuits. <laughs> we should, I agree. We? Uh, what's your greatest movie-related Christmas present? What is it? Here's a question. When Laura Flynn Boyle... No, no, that's not how questions work. How questions work <laughs> is that I ask you a question and you answer it, is but not with another question. Is the gun rack in Wayne's World a birthday present or a Christmas present? It's, a bir- it's just a present, I it's think. It's just a present. Certainly, yeah, it's not a Christmas. Okay. Not that it would win anyway. But, <laughs> no, it's a terrible yeah. present. He doesn't even have no. a gun. Let alone Never mind many, many guns, guns to necessitate an entire rack. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't know if we answered that definitively or indeed at all, but let's move on to the last question of 2020, <laughs> oh God. which comes from at Cristala. Which movie Christmas party would you most like to attend and why? I'm just going to go straight in there. It would be the party <laughs> at the Nakatomi Plaza <laughs> on Christmas Eve, because wouldn't you just want to say oh. you've been there? Just to walk in and go, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't you just want to, like, you'd get PTSD. Yes. Yes. Mm. You may get shot. Definitely. Yes. You may even get thrown out of a building. Sure. But wouldn't it just be a blast to talk about? I got sent, I don't, I think it might have been from Last Exit to Nowhere, I got sent a little card invitation to that Christmas party. I think it came with my, with my, it might have been Die Hard t-shirt. Mm. Oh, that's actually. nice. Mm. That's I very nice. It's great. How mm. about the Batman Returns party? Oh. Um, where, where, which is interrupted by the penguin on his Too giant many duck. explosive penguins. Er. No, but the explosive er. penguins are outside that party. Inside the party, all you have are a bunch of clowns and a giant duck. <laughs> so it'd be fine. Fine. Yes, that's a good one. And you one. could flirt with people one. under the mistletoe. Be great. You can, or reveal your secret identity to them <gasps> as well. Which Because mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. That's right. Mm-hmm. So can asbestos if you use it as snow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but a kiss can be deadlier if you mean it, which is, of course, the other line. 
Oh, yes. Anything else? Anything else for Christmas parties, apart from, of course, the peerless classic office Christmas party? I thought you were about to say Love Actually, and of course, the art gallery Christmas party, which is, you know, terrible. What happens there? Well, Alan Rickman Alan starts Joe rating a, against Heike McCatch. <laughs> yeah, in, in a very inappropriate manner. Mm. But Laura Liddy does cop off with um, Rodrigo Santoro. So well. there is, you know, I know. Doesn't go but it's well. a good party for her. Until, Momentarily. Until, yeah, yeah. For, for, for moments. Um, yeah. Isn't there the one in On Her Majesty's Secret Surface? Surface? <laughs> on Her Majesty's Secret Surface. <laughs> <laughs> that's what have you. It's like that's where she keeps her. That's where she hides the biscuits. On Her Majesty's Secret Surface. Oh. <laughs> I should point out as well, someone asked last week about uh, Christmas movies, and we were talking about Christmas movies, franchises that need a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. and we said Bond, and then we I completely forgot that On a Majesty's Secret yeah. Service is a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. And they have a Christmas party in the Christmas movie, except everyone receives vials of biological agents to kill people with. So, you, know, you know, that's a downer. I mean, we've we've been to that Empire Christmas party, yeah, and you know, it's it wasn't the best one, I don't yeah. think. Mm. Uh, the apartment has a good Christmas party. Mm. Great um, one, actually. There's loads. I'm sure we're f- forgetting some. Die Hard. And we were obviously forgetting something. I mean, this is never meant to be definitive. Quite often, it's basically oh. what just pops into our heads. Speaking of which... The Jingle Ball in uh, The Night Before. The giant party thrown every year by, and this is a massive spoiler, Michael Shannon's angel drug dealer, who wants to throw a kind of Gatsby-like party where nobody knows that he's the host and he throws this incredible mad party oh. and it's got all these celebrities there and it's yes. got like a cool, you arrive by trains or a tunnel of lights. Uh huh. That looks quite fun. If you That's like parties. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I while you were saying that, I was Googling office Christmas parties in movies and I came upon an article that uh, talks about the Christmas rave Christmas Eve rave in Doug Lyman's Go. Mm. And it's accompanied oh, yeah. by a picture of Timothy Oliphant in a uh, Santa hat. Yeah. shirt and a Santa hat. <laughs> yeah, I and I just, I just need a moment. Really? Hang on. I just need to You can't see his glorious hair. So, you know, what does it matter? But yes, Go, I would say, is a good one. But listen, we mentioned Die Hard. And I've just thought of another good one. Maybe we'll save this for next year, which is the best song in a Christmas movie. Mm. Best song in a Christmas. Best I mean, actually, no. Movie. Do you know what it is? And and like, I will not take any comment on this. It, it is actually "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" in "Meet Me in St. Louis," which isn't even a Christmas movie in that it goes through a full year. But because of that single song, becomes an amazing Christmas movie because that song is so good. I mean, it's no Christmas Vacation. That's correct. I look. I like Christmas Vacation. I have it on my mix. From my, Christmas, yeah, my from my Christmas mix. But I mean, it's no Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas with Judy Garland. Garland singing. And her name is Garland, which is Christmassy. I know, right? <sighs> if she changed the name to Holly Garland. She'd have been there, right there. She would have been successful. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she actually would have made something of her life instead of being a failure. Uh, come on. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Die Hard. That's a good one. It's not Christmas. It's also a great, it's also it's a great, great Christmas song. But. Yeah. It's a wintry one. Um, but how can anyone argue with the behemoth, the titan of tune that is? It's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. Mm. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and share. Okay, more Judy Garland, I see. Yes, yeah, really bad. <laughs> Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Genuinely better than the person doing the Kermit voice right now. Genuinely better. Anyway, yes, from from Muppet Christmas Carol. I love that song. I love that film so much. One more sleep till Christmas, and soon mm. it will indeed only be 
one more sleep till Christmas. Oh, anyway, I hate that form of words, but okay, sure. <laughs> um, I was actually rewatching. I was actually rewatching uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, which was something we had growing Why? up. Oh, like, yeah, it's on podcast. Disney. I, you know, I'm nostalgia, and there's a very nice. Um, Merry Christmas song in that, which I find I remembered from start Aww. to finish, which was terrifying because I haven't seen it in like a long time. That's lovely. So it is. Oh, that is really lovely. Nice. Lovely enough. Lovely enough. But listen, uh, that's enough for the, uh, I don't know why I'm doing this. That's enough for the listener question section f- for the year, folks, for <gasps> the year. Two more weeks. We'll be back in two more weeks. Uh, thank you so much two for those weeks. questions. Two weeks. Two weeks. See, I went. I went Total Recall, and you went Revenge of the Sith. But you know, sure. No, I was going Total Recall as well. Oh, are you? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> <Two week. laughs> Unlimited power. Unlimited presence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what we're anyway. doing at this point. Oh dear. I think we're, we've actually we've, we've gone totally and utterly bonkers in this, this week's podcast. I think we finally flipped. This is it. We finally, finally snapped. Uh, the perfect timeline to have a guest, I would say, whilst we recover. Uh, let's have... Uh, who should we have? Should we have David Oyelowo? Yeah. Let's have David Oyelowo, who is returning to the podcast. He's been on a number of times before. I think this might be his fourth appearance. Uh, I always really enjoy talking to David. He's in two movies out this week. He's in the rather charming fantasy movie called Come Away, uh, in which he co-stars with Angelina Jolie as parents who suffer a terrible tragedy in their lives. And as a result, their children retreat into a fantasy world. Their children just happen to be called Alice and Peter and the <gasps> fantasy worlds into which they retreat look an awful lot like Wonderland and Neverland. So this is a very high concept origin story slash blending of the stories of Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. And uh, David Oyelowo is at the heart of that. Uh, he is also up front and centre alongside Felicity Jones and George Clooney in Clooney's latest movie as director, The Midnight Sky, which is on Netflix this week. Now, thing is, I interviewed uh, David for this a few weeks ago before I knew that Midnight Sky was coming out on this day. So we don't really talk about that movie at all, but we do talk about Come Away and just how he's coping with the pandemic and all sorts of stuff. As I say, always have a blast talking to Mr. Oyelowo. Here you go. Do please enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast in lockdown, of course, by the star of Come Away, Mr. David Oyelowo. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Great to see you again, Chris. It's very good to see your face. The last time I was in London a couple of years ago, I think it was for yeah. Gringo. Uh, yeah. No, actually, the, that is Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, Cloverfield Paradox. That's right. Yeah. We did a Q and A. We did That's a Q and A. Right. That's right. How's your pandemic been, David? <laughs> what a, what a way to put it. How how's the pandemic? Um, yeah. it's it's been um. Look, you take the silver linings. I've 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 had a lot of time at home with my family, and uh, that's something that hasn't been the case um, in in the last few years because I've been blessed to be doing a bunch of movies. Uh, it's been nice, mm. nice, nice to be home. I, I did manage to squeeze in a film in. Canada just recently we shot that through the pandemic so I was out there uh, in British Columbia for about two and a half months but uh, apart from that it's just uh, watching as this slow motion car crash is, is is happening and just hoping that we all survive it. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, over, I'm over here in London, you're over there in the States, and the States at the moment seems to be particularly crazy. So, uh, you know, mm. there's, there's potentially vaccines on the way, so hopefully everything's going to be fine, but it still seems to be a little bit of a, of a out-of-control dumpster fire, if, if I may, in the States. So, is it particularly worrying being over there at the moment? It is worrying. It is worrying because we, we have a huge vacuum of, of leadership and consensus around how to deal with the pandemic. You know, it's it's one thing to have a challenging situation. It's another thing when you don't seem to have any kind of uh, agreed upon plan as to how to, to tackle it. And that just makes for a very unsettling uh, environment. Um, but, you know, personally, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I, I have a home in which there's plenty of space. My kids are here doing their Zoom school, you know, so we feel okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the nation itself feels uh, just very, very, very unsettled. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, everything will begin to ratify itself uh, sooner, sooner rather than later. Uh, so hopefully. you're at home right now. Yes. You have this. You have the poster for "Come Away" behind you in a, in a very, very rudimentary fashion. David, did you put this up yourself? <laughs> I did. I did. I used paper clips <laughs> to do at, at the top. It fell down a few times, so uh, you know, tr- trial and error. But I think we're going to be good now, Chris. <laughs> I think we're going to be good. If it, if it begins to go, if the blue tack begins to fade, and it begins Please to slowly, please warn me because I'll I no will. doubt be in the middle of saying something poignant, and then it'll. <laughs> It'll slap you in the face, uh, absolutely. But this is a movie I think that is, you know, it is beautifully timed. I know that you you wrapped it a while ago. Was it Sundance? Um, I want to say this year, but this year yeah. seems like it's ten years long. But it was yeah. it was this year Sundance. It was this year, believe it or not. Yeah, and it feels it feels like it's the right movie for the right time because it's a movie I think that's ultimately about healing. I think in that classic great tradition of kids films and kids literature, this really puts you through the emotional ringer. Was that an appeal? I mean, your character goes to some pretty dark places in this, and I think people might be expecting this to be a, a fun, frothy kids fantasy. There is that element as well, but it's also real dark emotional truth here. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the things that drew me to it. You know, we're billing it as a a kind of an origin story of not only Alice in Wonderland, but Peter Pan as well, the worlds of Mm. Neverland and Wonderland. And anyone who knows the circumstances out of which both J.M. Barry and Lewis Carroll wrote these stories uh, would be able to tell you that it wasn't cupcakes and fairies. You know, it, mm. it, it was it was often challenging circumstances that gave birth to these narratives that have now become known as fairy tales. But ours is a film the likes of which I loved growing up. You know, I remember watching E.T. And even though that is indisputably a fantasy, fun, entertaining movie, but it's also the first time I saw a single parent family in a film growing growing up. So this is a family that were going through something and then these kids escape into their imagination and this fantastical space that helps them cope with the realities of what's going on in their lives. And that's what Come Away does as well. You know, myself and Angelina Jolie playing these kids' parents go through um, uh, an unthinkable challenge and the whole family is having to navigate it. And whilst... um, um, myself 
and Angie's characters don't handle it very well, the kids mm. somehow uh, cope using their imaginations. Uh, and and I would I would argue that you know that that fine line between fantasy and reality is where you can really, I don't know engender a conversation in a family you know so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping to make movies that have both magic and meaning um and uh, and that's what you know i think brenda chapman has done a pretty good job of walking mm-hmm. that line with this film there's a thread throughout the film about as you say kids have imagination and adults as they get older they begin to reject that they begin to put away right. childish things they right. become more closed off and certainly i think that's something that affects your character, Jack, and, and Angelina, Angelina's character uh, as well, very yeah. much that they, they don't allow the possibility of joy. They don't allow the possibility of hope in. Yeah. And, and, and I think and anyone and everyone who's had children or who has faced those challenges that, you know, you live long enough, you're going to experience loss. Um, yeah. And... And, you know, one of the things that loss, challenge, growing older, gaining responsibility does is it starts to diminish your ability to have that sort of wide-eyed, childlike, naive approach to life. And whereas sometimes that's necessitous in, in, in order to be able to embrace your responsibilities, there are elements of uh, of being filled with joy, hope, imagination, fun that can also help one through these difficult times. I mean, there's 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 that phrase: if if I if I didn't laugh, I would cry. You know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you just got to find the laugh, otherwise it just gets a little too heavy. And it looks like it was a, a fun film to shoot. I mean, there 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 are times when you are going. It seems like they're they're just bringing on a procession of great acting talent, great British acting talent for you to act opposite. So, <laughs> you know, obviously Angelina is not British, but you got this, you know, many, many scenes with Angelina. But then yeah. if that wasn't enough, they wheel out. And again, Clark Peters isn't British, but we'll, we'll claim him. And yes, yes, so they wheel out like Clark Peters and then they have Michael Caine. You think, well, I, I, surely they can't top Michael Caine. Then out comes Jacoby, for God's sake. So know, <laughs> was, it, uh, was it an interesting experience for you to, to film with those, those giants? Uh, it really, really was. I mean, you know, actors who you grew up watching, the thought of being in a movie, uh, even in their presence, is just so far away from your your notion of what's going to happen. But Michael Caine was actually the weirdest because it's Michael Caine. And it's Michael <laughs> Caine doing that iconic voice. It was so weird to act opposite him because I would literally in the scene be thinking stop doing Michael Caine that's really <laughs> that's really weird that you're Michael Caine and you're doing an impersonation of Michael I mean he's like he is that guy he literally I mean, that, has I mean, that voice it's I mean, so David, weird. he is Michael Caine I mean it's 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 that's his he can't do anything about it that's just the way he sounds that's that's it, it but it still sounds unreal it still sounds unreal. I, I honestly, the hardest piece of acting I did in Come Away was trying to stay in character whilst Michael Caine was being Michael Caine because I literally constantly wanted to break character and go, "Ah, you, you with the voice, gah." <laughs> And you're waiting for a Brenda Chapman to call cut and then suddenly he'll go, oh, hello, darling. How, how are you Exactly, today? exactly, <laughs> exactly. But never happened. But it's not. 
It's not. No. It is Michael Caine sounding exactly like Michael Caine. And, you know, David, you're a guy who knows your way around accents and you're a guy who knows way around voices. Uh, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you have a facility for impressions? Oh, don't ask me to do Michael Caine. I, I, I can't do Michael Caine. That's why it was so weird, because it's so hard to do. And he was doing Michael Caine so well. Um, so, um, uh, so, so, so I was very impressed by him. Oh, yeah. But everybody's got you. Are you supposed to blow the bloody doors off in them? Somebody, yeah, well, come on. You come have on. Li- you have literally just proved why it is a bad idea to do a Michael Caine impression. Because I nailed it. I nailed it. And you can't top what I just did. That's you were, pretty much. You were, you were wonderfully adequate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best piece of direction I've had in yours. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, of course, now you are a practiced director yourself. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see your, your debut, The Waterman, when it, when it comes out. Presumably next year it'll be out in the, in the UK. Yes, yes. Um, early part of, of next year uh, it, it'll, it'll be out. Some nice news coming uh, about that soon in terms of its distribution. Um, so, yeah, it was a, an amazing experience. And, and it was yet another film, the likes of which um, I have loved growing up, seen less of now, and mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of because, you know, these these Amblin-esque films that I loved growing up that had both magic and meaning could be both entertaining, but for both grown-ups and kids at the same time. And, you know, The Waterman is about an 11-year-old kid whose mother is ill and they move to this tiny town. Um, and there is this legend of the Waterman who supposedly has the gift of cheating death. And so this mm. kid uh, teams up with a 14-year-old girl to find this, this uh, mythic figure who he hopes is going to be able to save his mom. And it's largely about their adventure as they 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 pursue uh, the, the Waterman. And I just, um, you know, it has a- a- aspects of fairy tale and fantastical and magical realism about it. But it also deals with uh, real life challenges we face. And those are the kind of films I really love. Films I can watch with my family and we can be both entertained, but also have a discussion about it afterwards. So well, hopefully we'll talk about that. Uh, you can come back at the pod whenever that, that comes out in the UK next year. But It's a date, Chris. It's a date. Listen, this is legally binding, David. This is legally binding. <laughs> Fine with and me. Maybe, yeah, here's the thing. It'll give you a few months to work on that Michael Caine impression of yours. <laughs> uh, if you could possibly well, even you set the bar so low. Oh, that- <laughs> well, that is an absolute disgrace. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she was only sixteen. It's, it's getting better. I will give you that. It's, you're warming. You're warming up into it now. You're warming up into it. Very good, very good. But we will talk about The Waterman whenever uh, it is time to talk about The Waterman. But in terms of directing, mm. who have you been magpieing from your entire career? Who have you been really, when you're on set and you're you're being directed by someone, who have you been filing notes and little things that they do away for, for later use? It's a great question because I have 
always known that I would like to direct at some point and and I've been so privileged to work with some brilliant directors and mm. I have intentionally been gleaning and watching as I go and look I have a career that has been graced by the likes of Anthony Minghella and Spielberg and Ava DuVernay and Chris McQuarrie and Mira Naya you know now Brenda Chapman you <laughs> know just showing off now <laughs> I, I am showing off but I'm also demonstrating I have no excuse when it comes to having learned a few things along the way. I will say though, you learn almost as much from bad directors as you do good directors because mm -hmm. you know that there is nothing more useful than knowing what you shouldn't do and what is <laughs> ill-advised to do uh, as well as trying to do what you should do so you know they've they've all been experiences that have uh, helped me hopefully be the, the best director i can be it's only my first one so hopefully yeah. I'll, i'll continue to grow And those bad directors are, David, who were they? <laughs> those are names I'm not going to drop uh, <laughs> because that would be bad. <laughs> Save it for the memoirs. <laughs> yes, yes. When I'm old and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> precisely, precisely. Um, and uh, But this movie, as you mentioned, is directed by Brenda Chapman, who co-directed Brave for Pixar, yeah. uh, animated movie, obviously taking the, the step into the live action realm. What was it like working with her? And uh, and was she surprised by how fast things could move, given that she's you know, she's been working in a, in a realm where it takes four years for a shot to be finished sometimes? Yeah, it was definitely a learning curve for her, you know, because in animation, you, you just make these characters do whatever you want them to do. And uh, mm. in live action, you have these weird beings who talk back at you as go, oh, would my character do that? <laughs> you know, so it was interesting uh, getting to see her interact with her characters who were not her creations um, mm. this time. And I actually think it's something she really embraced and, and enjoyed because, you know, animation is in the reverse to live action. You spend a lot of time uh, developing the story Uh, on, on, on an animated movie, um, and then a lot of time in the drawings. And then it's very quickly, uh, you have the actors come in and just do the voices. They're there for two, three days and they're gone. Uh, whereas with this, you know, you, you develop the film, but it can take a lot of time to shoot the thing itself. And, mm. and so you're interacting with the creation of the characters in real time for longer. And I think that's something that was, you know, um, initially discombobulating for her but I you know I I thought I thought she did a, a magnificent job and the thing that she does so well whether it's Lion King or, or Prince of Egypt or Brave is that again she is able to uh, walk that fine line between reality and fantasy so so well um, mm. and to see them coexist is a, is is a very satisfying thing I'm going to let you go now and uh, give you some time to work on that, that Michael Caine, because frankly, David, that was an, an act of cowardice, uh, the likes of which I have rarely seen on the Empire podcast. Uh, yeah, you, could, uh, you say cowardice, I say wisdom. <laughs> we'll see. Time will judge the victor in the end. Time will, time will prove one of us right. Uh, David, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. And that was David Oyelowo refusing to do a Michael Caine impression, and he calls himself a professional. I'll get him to do it one day. Mark my words. 
And that is it for this first part of the last podcast of 2020. Yes, the show has turned out to be a big old lengthy pod, even by our standards. So I have decided to split it into two parts, as I suggested I might do last week. Part the second contains the movie news, the movie reviews, including looks at the midnight sky and come away, and an interview with Michael Potts, Coleman Domingo, and Glenn Turman, stars of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So do please listen to that. In the meantime, it's a very brief goodbye from me. See you on the other side, you mothers. 